Hi, this is Melanie Thomas, and you're listening to Mel's Cookie Crumbles, where I share tidbits and morsels to help you along life's journey, because sometimes you can get a little hungry. From spiritual to secular, from petty to political, we cover it all. So stay tuned in and locked, because there's a lot more in store. Hi, I'm Melanie, and you're listening to Mel's Cookie Crumbles. Um, just wanted to come in and just talk to you guys for a little while. Stop by and say hello. I brought tea and tea cakes. Or if some of you guys prefer lemonade and tea cakes, I can do that too. But I just wanted to tell you a little bit about Mel's Cookie Crumbles. So how this podcast came to be is first my love of cookies I love cookies I am a cookie monster I love cookies but as I've been trying to become more healthy you know more conscious of what I'm you know taking into my body um my taste in cookies have changed somewhat I mean I still love a good oreo and a chocolate chip cookie a chips ahoy and oreos are bae but I've been you know trying Lorna Dune. Lorna Dune with almond milk. Oh my God, it's love. It's love. It's just love in your tummy. Um, And some other, you know, more wholesome cookies. Some that have a little less sugar, um, but they're, you know, they're good for your digestive system. Some cookies like those. Um, I don't particularly um, care for those, but you know, uh, sometimes people can't stand what they need. And you know what? In that case, I don't want to be one of those people. But anywho, um, more about Mel's Cookie Crumbles. So there's some times in life where you go along life's journey and because of the choices we make or some circumstances that were beyond our control, sometimes God takes us the scenic route. And sometimes along the scenic route, you feel like you're taking the long way. But there are times where you come across people who God will intentionally put in your path that will give you a small, a small piece of information that is the catalyst for change and it changes the trajectory of your life. I mean, bars, uh, drop and mic type information, simple, like haiku type jujitsu that just alters your perspective um and just it's just oh it's mind-blowing just mind-blowing um so that's what we're gonna do today and I descend from a long line of people who are quick-witted and sharp-tongued So you may hear my isms and sayings while you're listening to this podcast. It's all in fun um, and jest. It's just kind of one of those, you know, when your auntie look at your grandmama and be like, "Mm mm-hmm, or, you know, I understand people are different, but where do they do that at? Or, you know what? I can respect those differences. I I respect our, you know, experiential realities. Um, but let me just drop this by you real quick. Let me just drop this on you real quick. You do with it what you will. But, you know, let's, you know, expand our horizons. Let's just, for the sake of argument, let's go there. So that's what Mel's Cookie Crumbles is all about. Just to get you thinking, 
you know, expand your horizons, your um, ideological perspectives, and, you know, just food for thought. Little more so, little tidbit, but sometimes it's that thing that gives you life, like Starbucks. Starbucks is so ironic because it has a siren on it, but it gives you life. You guys look more into the odyssey and the history behind the siren. Thank me later. And then also look at Steve Colbert's um, account of how he fell in love with his wife. Thank me later as well. Okay, let's get started. So today I want to talk about alarm clocks. I know, I know. As I'm recording this, it is Wednesday. We are in the middle of hump day. Um, And then after Wednesday... It is Thursday, also known as Friday Junior. Um, Everybody say yay! I'm sorry, that's the teacher in me. Um, And so, I'm just thinking about alarm clocks. Um, Recently, my schedule has changed due to the pandemic, you know, and making accommodations for students as necessary as I'm an educational professional. Um, You know, sometimes your girl, it's hard being a sleepy girl with a lot of stuff to do. It's hard being sleepy because I love my bed. The ministry of bed, bedside Baptist, you know, oh my God, that, that anointing and that mantle. Oh, we bless God. It rests heavy. It rests very heavy. Um, but you know, the Lord gives us strength and he endows us. He endows us. Oh yes. Um, and so, um, with that being said, sometimes, you know, showing your alarm clock love is kind of hard because you want to pay attention to the time and you want to, you know, be diligent about not pressing the snooze button button 50 million times. You know, it just gets kind of hard. Nevertheless, you know, alarm clocks are necessary. They help us to keep with time, help us to stay committed to commitments we've made, um, gives us timelines and restraints and, and different things like that. Um, but I also want to talk about alarm clocks in, in terms of sleep. Alarm talks, alarm clocks, sometimes they give us a rough estimate of how long we approximately have to rest in, you know, sleep until we get up for the next day and anticipate the things that we need to accomplish for the next day. Um, however, there are sometimes where you don't rely on a electronic alarm clock. Sometimes people are alarm clocks. And sometimes they'll wake you up before your alarm goes off. Ha- have any of you been there? I know I've been there where I wanted to sleep and I've been woken up. Or woke up. Or somebody didn't woke me up out of my sleep. However you preface it, somebody has woke you up before your alarm clock went off. And the estimated time... Were- that you thought you were going to have to sleep and rest has been interrupted and you no longer have that. And that feeling that sizzles in your spirit, I mean, it bubbles over. Let me tell you something, because I love my sleep. So when I, and I have a hard time sleeping. So when I get woke up out of my sleep, um, whoo, you know, I have to search from fruits of the spirit, you know, I have to search because sometimes, you know, I shake my tree and, and the tree look a little bare. You know, it looks a little bare. And pray my strength in the Lord. Yes. Um, as you can tell, if you haven't already, I'm a little churchy. 
So, you know, we like to be moderate and temperate in all things. You know, I'm a little churchy. I'm a little, you know, uh, try Costco sample, but not me. You know, I got that Peter anointing that rests heavily. The Lord has, you know, the Lord has done a work in me. So we're, we're, we're getting better. We're striving toward perfection, huh? Okay. So as I was saying, sometimes people will wake you up in that feeling. It is a different type of feeling. So... I know we've entered into the month of October, also known as the start of the cuffing season or drafting for cuffing season. I looked somewhere and they do have a particular schedule similar to uh, organized sports where they have the cup preseason, you know, tryouts, and then they let you know if you make the team. And then when the season is over, so on and so forth. You understand the whole premise. Um, and so we begin October. They sometimes call it May-December romances, October to March, April, whatever you like to call it. It's called cuffing season where, um, you know, you, you it's a human it's a human need. We're all relational and we long for or we seek out relationships sometimes. They may be mutual and sometimes they may be one-sided, which is unfortunate. However, in the midst of cuffing season, there are some people who are really looking for substantial intentional relationships. However, ladies, yes, I'm coming down your street. I'm coming down your row. Um, Bless God. Amen. So I just wanted to leave this with you. A lot of times we have this alarm clock and we don't like being woke up before the alarm clock goes off because we feel that we haven't got enough proper rest. We haven't, you know, been able to just really, to really be in our element in order to prepare for the next day whatever that may be. And so sometimes that may be a little unnerving or unsettling as we've all been there. So I just wanted to talk to you about alarm clocks. Because sometimes in approaching relationships, you know, the Bible says a man that findeth a wife and findeth a good thing, obtaineth favor from the Lord. Um, I know you thinking this is like cliche and oh, here she goes. Oh, no, 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 no. Stay with me. I'm going to bless you. Um, and so a man that findeth the wife, not a, a woman, but a wife. And we understand biblically what that entails. If you read the Bible, you know, it's in there, Just, you know, go read it at your leisure. Um, and so we look at the story If you look in the beginning, Adam and Eve, Adam gets put in a deep sleep and God performs surgery, as we all know, takes out a rib, forms Eve, and the Bible says God wakes him up out of the sleep. Oh, that's where I'm going to bless you. Thank you. If you stay tuned, if you if you're just now listening, I, I'm I'm you know I'm getting ready for this thing to take off. So God puts Adam to sleep, deep sleep, sleep sleep, deep sleep. 
like that hard sleep where you drool on your arm it's so good and you got sheet imprints because it's just that ministry of sleep in bed has just rested so heavily on you that kind of sleep deep sleep he takes a rib out of adam forms eve then wakes him up notice it doesn't say that eve tapped him on the shoulder that eve said adam 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 no no it says that god woke him up and presented eve to him a lot of times when we're so eager and desperate sometimes or just looking for somebody to be in a relationship with we get hasty and we jump the gun the cart before the horse and we want to convince somebody that we are the one (coughs) that they should be with um and so that's that's a lot of the trouble right there. I'm helping you right there because anytime you wake somebody up out of their sleep, they have they feel a certain type of way about that and about you. There's a long list that can be said for somebody that wakes you out of your sleep. Like could it not wait? What was so serious that you had to wake me up? Did you not see I'm sleeping? Is this an emergency? Um were you being petty? And so A lot of times we'll wake somebody out of their sleep that does not want to be woken up. A lot of times we say, oh, if they sleeping on you, let them sleep. If God has not woke them up out of their sleep to present you to them, then it's hard to expect that it's successfully going to be an interaction or an introduction that's pleasant. Because I know if I was in a deep sleep and somebody woke me up, I'd feel some type of way. And I'd be like, no, you can wait. And so a lot of times we get in these relationships where we'll wake this man up and we'll say, oh, I'm it. Can't you see? Can't you see? And they're feeling some type of way about it. So they'll make you wait. Oh, yeah, of course I'll marry you in a year, two years, five years. It becomes nine and ten. And so you're like, wait a minute, but... I told you I was the one. I woke you up. You you didn't disagree in any otherwise. And so, um, and in that time too, let's think about this. Um, God is fashioning and forming Eve for Adam while he sleep. And a lot of times we're not done going through that process of God fashioning us and forming us and completing us and making us all we need to be in order to be ready for him so that's like shopping trying on clothes and because you want somebody to see the outfit so bad you go out half dressed not only do you embarrass yourself not only does it look unseemly but I don't think the person takes pleasure in enjoying seeing that either unless they're like toxic and you know have certain type of personality disorders where they need to go see a therapist and I'm all for mental health you need Jesus and therapy praise God I don't care whatever anybody else says but that's just my opinion and opinions are like bottoms everyone has one amen bless God okay so that's what I wanted to leave you with today 
a lot of times we seek relationships and we're trying to convince somebody that we're the one when God hasn't been and when God isn't done fashioning us and forming us and completing us, we jump the gun, wake somebody up out of their sleep who's not ready, who didn't want to be woke up. And so now we're feeling some type of way of resentful. No, we can't feel that way because they were asleep. And if they're asleep, it's best to let them rest. Because if they haven't woke up when God has presented you to them, maybe they're not the one for you. And maybe when it's time for you to be presented somebody to somebody, God will give them a revelation. And if people don't have a revelation of who you are, then nine times out of ten, it's just best to uh, leave that situation alone. Come here, David and Jonathan. He had a revelation. Jonathan did of who David was. Come here, King Ashish or Akish. Um, when he was on the run from Saul. At first, there are some people who are like, wait a minute. You, you kind of different. You kind of strange. You a strange bird. I'm not used to this. And then God will give them a revelation. Come here, Mary and Joseph. Huh? He... Usually when God gives you a revelation, he'll give the other person a revelation of who you are. And so if that person hasn't got a revelation of who you are, of the favor you are in their life, then nine times out of ten, it's just best to leave the situation alone and you'll save yourself a lot of heartbreak. Trust me, I know. Uh, Ask me how I know. Because one time it was cuffing season. And I thought, oh, it's mutual. It's intentional. It was one-sided. And lo and behold, my feelings got hurt. But I was minding my own business. Huh? Like Tabitha Brown, because that's my business. I was minding my own business, thinking that, oh, this person is intentional. They weren't. It was cuffing season for them. And instead of being honest and transparent, you know, your girl got walked like a dog. So I'm just letting you guys know to spare you the heartbreak and the embarrassment and just giving you some food for thought. Yep, that's my spiel on alarm clocks. So next time you feel tempted to wake somebody up, don't do it. Just let them sleep. And that's all for today on Mel's Cookie Crumbles. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned next time. As we talk about David and Bathsheba and the cautionary tale. All right, you guys. Until next time, I'm out. Hi, this is Melanie Thomas, and you're listening to Mel's Cookie Crumbles, where I share tidbits and morsels to help you along life's journey, because sometimes you can get a little bit hungry. From spiritual to secular, from petty to political, we cover it all. So stay tuned and locked, because we have more in store. Hi, I'm Melanie, and you're listening to Mel's Cookie Crumbles. Today, we are going to talk about the cautionary tale of 
David and Bathsheba. I know, I know, you already know the story. But let's look at it from the perspective of when your actions affect innocent people. Um, I know it was recent headlines or may have been headlines that have been, um, you know, in recent memory of Jada Pinkett Smith and August Alsina. Alsina, tell me if I'm pronouncing that correctly because that's very important I want to say his name right okay um and that story um consisted of a narrative that involved um their uh relationship with one another to be an entanglement quote unquote you know what if I hear the word entanglement one more time I feel like Heatherland I would rather go through the McDonald's drive-thru behind the Duggars and y'all know how many there are of them before I ever get caught up in an entanglement uh-uh I ain't doing it um and so um a lot of times we want to relate or romanticize the story of David and Bathsheba as this entanglement like this fairy tale romance he was you know plagued by the throes of war and he just needed to clear his mind so he went out on the rooftop and he saw this woman who was bathing and she turned around after she was done and you know it just had to happen you know it just it just went down it went down in the palace no not necessarily um we have to look at it from both perspectives um or both situations regarding the entanglement with Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith and Og and David and Bathsheba from this perspective. August Alsina, um, as you know, he has had or endured a lot of tragedy um, and he's raising his uh, family members and or his nieces in particular. And, you know, he's going through a rough point and he's with this woman who actually, you know, I think both of them in essence were broken and they were trying to mend each other's broken places. But when you're broken, you can't fix somebody else if you're not whole. So you guys in essence, because you guys are broken, you guys are shards of glass cutting each other. So instead of healing each other, you're bleeding all over each other, if that makes sense. And so those types of entanglements, we don't want to say it for what it really is. We want to call it a cute name, but it's deeper than an entanglement. It was a relationship where people got too involved and didn't know how to detach themselves or detox themselves from this situation. Um, so, I mean, we can classify it as something else, but I mean, in essence, if you really look at it, it could be an entanglement. Um, and a lot of times we would say, you know, we can take an attitude or a position of moral piety and moral superiority and say, oh, I would never get caught in entanglement. But if you know anybody who's been in love, um, not to give you a science uh, lecture, because we all know that, or, or for the most part, we understand the hormones that... Um, we understand the hormones that are involved in terms of being in love and what kind of effect it produces. A lot of times it, perfect, it 
excuse me, I'm tongue-tied. A lot of times, um, those hormones, they, they give the impression or they give you the sensation, the sensation as if you're on drugs. That's the kind of side effects that being in love has. And so if you've ever been encountered anybody, you've ever been in a relationship or have known somebody who has been under the influence, you understand how powerful being under the influence is, whether it is, um, you know, under the influence of substances. Um, and so when they come back to reality, they're like, oh my goodness, you know, I didn't realize X, Y, and Z because because they're now no longer under the influence of something, they can think critically and objectively. And so with that being said, you know, love is very powerful. And so, um, yeah, so, I mean, none of us can say, oh, I would never do this or I would never do that because when your back is against the wall, Sometimes you will play a different song and sing a different tune. Never say never. And so getting back to the cautionary tale of David and Bathsheba, um, how your actions affect innocent people, just like with Jada and Og, um, it was common knowledge, I guess it was a mutual understanding between them that, you know, they would have an open relationship. But, um, you know, it. I guess it got a little you know, out of hand. And so they, her having a relationship with August not only affected her, but it affected her husband, their relationship, their family, um, just their image and affluence, you know, in, in terms of, um, just in terms of, just characteristics that you know you would esteem one to have in a relationship you know faithfulness fidelity honesty integrity you know loyalty those things like that um and so all of us could see how clearly and obviously her will was um with that entanglement and how it affected them moving forward. And so eventually, Will called Jada to the carpet. She brought herself there, but Will also called her to the carpet and made her responsible for her actions and made her confess and clearly um, explain what it was that was going on so that they could clear the air and move forward. Um, not saying that there were no parties that weren't hurt or injured because clearly August was, um, and Will was, and there were other people too. And so, um, I said all that to say that usually what's done in the dark is come, it it will come in a light and, um, and where there's smoke, there's a fire not too far off. And so, um, it's just a very dangerous game you play when you're not considerate and weighing all your pros and cons in as far as a relationship is concerned because it's not just your feelings but it's lives involved and so 
we see David and Bathsheba. David is the king at this point in time. He had been on the run from Saul. He finally steps into his kingship. Mind you, he has wives already. Um, he's out on the rooftop. He's supposed to be at war. That's that's number one. Then he sees this woman who's bathing, you know, after the manner which is custom to women, basically Aunt Flo came to visit and visit and then Aunt Flo chucked the deuce. And so Bathsheba was like, eh, <laughs> let me go and take care of some business. So she was washing, minding her business. And I'll, t- I'll talk more about that, how a lot of ladies, they are minding their business and they just get ensnared trapped or caught up in situations where you know it's very difficult to get out and I'll elaborate more on that in the next podcast and then he summons her mind you there are customs of the time and in the period of the kings um for example Abraham and Sarah Abraham and Sarah uh as you look at back at history records, scholars suggest, well, actually it is, it is denoted in the Bible that she is his half sister. And so they go into another land and he says, whatever you do, tell them you're my sister. Even though part of that is true, that he's his wife and she's his wife and his half sister. But in that custom, but in that time, it was customary sometimes if a king wanted a woman, it didn't matter if she was married or not. He would just take her. And so um, he would just take her. Like, no, if Sandra Bus kills the husband, the husband is expendable. What I want is your wife. Thank you. Have a good day. Uh, grace and peace. And so with that story, it comes about where the king has Sarah in the chamber and the Lord himself visits the king and says, you know what? Um, you're going to disappear. And the king is like, for what? And he's like, did you not know that you have a wife of a prophet? And he was like, oh, dude, dude didn't tell me she, she, she was the wife of a prophet. I didn't know. And then the king comes to Abraham and was like, Abraham, this is not cool, dude. Like you got me all hemmed up out here. Like, I know my nose is wide open, but dude, you about to get me caught up with the Lord himself. Bruh, take your wife. Here's the party gifts. No, 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 no. Because I, I like I likes the way I live. I like to live. Okay, grace and peace, man of God. Here's your, here's your honorarium. Thank you. <laughs> and first lady, I'll see you later. Bye-bye. And so then we see that same practice in the period of uh, the kings where um, David is um, king and he takes upon himself to say, hey, I want the wife of Uriah. I want Bathsheba. Mind you, she's already married to Uriah, a man in his army, a soldier in his army. And so in that, in that time, if you refused the king, it was death. And so she said, you know what? In paying tribute to the late Alex Trebek, she said, 
I'll take my life for 200 Alex. So she consented. She had no other choice. Otherwise, she was going to die. So people want to act like, oh, he whisked her away. He romanticized her. No, he forced himself upon her. And we know what that category, when we talk about criminal lexicon and we talk about criminal uh, language, um, he forced himself. People say, well, no, she was consenting. No, she was not consenting. No, she had no choice. She was going to die if she told David no. Okay? So he forces himself. Then she conceives. And people don't think about the ramifications of that. Okay, first of all, I'm married. Or Bathsheba's married. This man of power, affluence, and influence. And he's a, you know... And he has, you know, his, his, his notoriety has been known abroad and he, he's the man of God. He's God's man. And so he's a man of God. And that happens too. We'll talk about that's a whole nother can of worms, uh, from the pulpit to the pew. When you're prayed on from the pulpit to the pew, that's a book in and of itself. I'll talk about that in another podcast. Um, so there's this man of power, influence, affluence. He has power or he's anointed. He's an anointed man of God and he forces himself upon this woman and then she conceives. And so can you imagine walking around with the reminder of your trauma and having to look at the man who did that? And now you can't. And you're sitting there like, what do I do? I, I was minding my business and now I'm in this situation. Then moving forward, we talk about her husband. The husband is this loyal, faithful man in his army. He goes and sends the wife back after he's done to the husband. And the husband won't know her. He's like, I'm dedicated to you I don't feel right I have a job to do let me fulfill my duties and my obligations then you know me and my wife can cupcake and do whatever and that's and see that's the thing about when your actions affect innocent people you think you know a person but you really don't David didn't count on Uriah not being intimate with his wife because I mean, earlier you could see when in First Samuel chapter thirty, when they were going up to Ziklag, and his two wives were taken, the children were taken. They weren't harmed, but they were taken. And the people, because things were going bad, let's stone him. Let's stone him. And so, you know, David's like, it doesn't matter what I do. Do these people really love me? Do they only love me when things are going good? Oh, they love me because of my fame. They love me because of this. Do they really love me? Um, You know, and then we can talk about David's first wife, Michael. You know, um, there was a woman. He Well, that was the second lady. There was another lady that was promised to him, was given away. And so now he's with this woman in this loveless marriage. And she's not in his corner. It doesn't matter what he does. She's always criticizing him, doing X, Y, and Z. And so then 
you know she she gets to the point where it's like wait he's a man of god and she's doing too much so god shuts up her womb and so now he's in a loveless marriage and he has no children um through no fault of his own so now he's with he's he has two wives or a multiplicity of wives and he has children and he thinks Uriah is gonna oh you know well people haven't been loyal to me before so how am I gonna expect this to be any different and then when he finds out Uriah is loyal it's like dang I done shot myself in the foot dude is ride or die I didn't count on him being ride or die so now it's like now I gotta cover this up because I didn't slept with the woman and her husband hasn't known her and we know what the custom is if the woman she if the woman is unfaithful then she gets stoned we can't have that okay I'm gonna have to do it I'm gonna have to do a hit and run I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to take care of this and so he gives Uriah a letter basically he hands Uriah his own death sentence and he hands it off to the commanding officer or whoever's in charge at the time and he says and the letter says put him in the heat of the battle basically make him marine status just put him in the front Uriah dies in the heat of battle and when you look down and when you read the story it's so sad because Uriah's wife Bathsheba when she hears of excuse me he need a little beverage when she hears of his death she mourns for Uriah she didn't mourn for David that lets you know right there she was in a loveless situation she didn't the Bible doesn't say that she mourned that she mourned and was sad it said she mourned for her husband she wanted her husband and this man that forced her kidnapped her essentially forced her into a marriage she did not want to be in because she's already married kills her husband gets her pregnant oh that's a hard pill to swallow that's a hard pill to swallow that's a hard pill to swallow I have a reminder of the abuse and trauma that I suffered and I was minding my business this man had my husband killed now I'm stuck looking at this man and this child every day knowing that my life is never going to be the same and I can't do anything about it that's a hard pill to swallow so then then in essence just like with Abraham and Sarah David comes David is just you know he's just doing his thing and then there's this man of God that comes along a prophet hmm he comes along and he goes let me tell you this story sometimes we can get so caught up in our mess and get so numb to what we're doing because it becomes so normal to where we are almost blinded to the fact that what we're doing what we're doing is 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 not okay David's sitting up here moving and shaking plotting and planning and everything else everybody wants to say he was the apple of God's eye yes he was a man after God's own heart because 
he took responsibility. He was accountable for his actions. He wasn't in denial and didn't try to hide in an ecclesial uh, bunker. Okay, let's talk about it. But we're going to talk about that in another podcast, Ecclesial Bunkers. Okay. And so the man of God comes to him, the prophet Nathan, and tells him a little riddle, a little story. And David says, oh, no. And he talks about a man who had a hundred sheep and a man who had one sheep. And the man who had a hundred sheep took the man who only had one. David got wroth and got upset. Like, that ain't right. That ain't right. What? That man shall pay for what he did fourfold. And then Nathan says, you're the man. You're the man. And so David's like, oh my God, I did all that. I really did. And so now you have this man after God's own heart who's taken a woman who belonged to another man. Even God said, David, whatever you wanted, I would have gave to you. But because you did this, your, your hands are dirty and you can't build, you can't build my temple. It's going to be your son who builds it because your hands are too dirty. You, you, mm-mm, mm-mm. you was caught red, red handed. And so... And so then here's Bathsheba sitting here in a marriage. She did not, I don't think she was consensual toward. She was forced by a man who wasn't her husband. She conceived the son by a man who wasn't her husband. She's mourning the death of her husband that she actually loved. And then the son that she conceives with the man that Forster dies. Sometimes the Lord knows how to do things because I don't know if I had the mental dexterity and capacity and wherewithal to look at a man who did that and have his child at walking around as a reminder. You, you destroyed my life. And so David and Bathsheba is not a case of entanglement. It is not a story to be romanticized. It is a cautionary tale of how your actions affect innocent people. Innocent people. Innocent people. So I hope you gain something from this. Just the food for thought. I'm a little bit all over the place, but in our next podcast, we're going to talk about red flags and how sometimes red is our favorite color. But we're going to talk about at least 10 red flags to let you know. Stop, halt, decease, run for the hills. Uh, It's a no-go. So this is Melanie Thomas with Mel's Cookie Crumbles signing off. And until next time, uh, stay healthy and stay safe. Bye-bye.